Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host. I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer, and this is the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Welcome, welcome. All right, so today we are studying the Torah portion Tetzaveh, You Shall Command, and this is found in the book of Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, through Exodus chapter 30, verse 10. And uh, lots of interesting stuff in here, lots of deep meanings, uh, or, or seemingly benign. I don't know which one it is. What do you think, Pastor Nick? Oh, listen, this is Tetzave, you shall command. And uh, we're going to be getting into some of the furniture that's uh, been left out so far. We're going to be getting into some, uh, some more pieces of the furniture. And uh, we're going to start off with question number one. Describe the uh, oil for the lamp in Exodus 27, 20. It was pure olive oil beaten for the light. Pure olive oil beaten for the light. And the lamp was to always burn. The, uh, the menorah was always to burn, to keep burning. And uh, we know that from evening to morning, Exodus 27, 21, that they would be servicing the lamps. And uh, it's been told that the wicks for the menorah were actually used from the priest's uh, linen garments. Uh, looking at the menorah once again in John 8, 12, it says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we have the menorah. And also when the menorah was made, uh, I don't know if we brought this out or not, but the personal pronoun uh, his is used, or he, uh, his knops, his bowls. So uh, I find it very interesting. Once again, the, the pattern of this tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, was given, given to Moses from God, from heaven. So uh, this pattern is found in heaven. So we're going to look at uh, just a few verses here. We're going to look in Revelation to find a menorah. So we, we find the menorah and the symbolism of the menorah in a lot of different places uh, throughout the Bible. Um, and you can see that like there's a center candle, and then you have three on either side. But there's many things within, within Scripture that you can find um, that you know, kind of mirror each other on one side and then the other. And, and we'll get into some of that, but there is right, Revelation. The Shamash is the middle candle and three candles on each side. In, uh, in Revelation 1.13, it says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Once again, Revelation 1.13. Uh, once again, the seven candlesticks represent one. We, they, well, actually, they represent the uh, seven churches. Uh, so that's one menorah. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. So once again, we have seven candlesticks representing the church, or the called out ones. Uh, look at four five Revelation four five, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And where do we find the seven spirits of God? We find it in Isaiah eleven. In Isaiah eleven, Let's see if we can find it here. Which is pretty cool. What are the seven spirits of God? And here we go. 
There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So here we have the seven spirits of God found in Isaiah 11, verse 11-2. And even in Zechariah, let's go to Zechariah here. In Zechariah, we're going to find some more lampstands. Yeah, man, we are jumping around today. Zechariah 4, keep up. 1 through 7, because it's important to see this. And the angel that talked with me came again and walked and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Some of you need to wake up. And said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice there's this lampstand, this menorah, and there's two olive trees. Could it be that one is the northern kingdom, one's the southern kingdom? Could it be these two olive trees, one are the, the Jews and one are the non-Jews? I mean, think about the olive tree represents Israel. So once again, you can find the menorah uh, in the book of Revelation. And then we go into the dress code. This is the dress code uh, for Aaron and his sons uh, who had holy garments made for them. Aaron and his sons. Uh, and of course, we have the list of six garments made for Aaron. Uh, breastplate, ephod, robe, coat, mitre, and a girdle. That's Exodus 28.4. Question, of course, number five. Uh, and what was going to be engraved on the two onyx stones? Uh, this Exodus 28.9. Yep, this is going to be the names of the children of Israel. So the names of the children of Israel, six on each shoulder. Once again, this is the garments for the high priest. Once again, how many names were to be put on each stone on the shoulder? Six. Question number seven, Exodus 28.10. Six and six. And then we're going to look at this. In Exodus 28.12, we have a fill in the blanks here. Question number eight. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Now, there's a city located in Samaria, and it's Shechem. And Shechem means on the shoulders of. And on either side of this particular city is Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, and Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. Now, once again, these geographical areas are not cursed. They're just saying that Mount Gerizim represents the blessing and Mount Ebal Ebal represents the curse. So, So once again... It's interesting because now you have blessing and cursing on the shoulders of, and you'll get this picture in your mind if you haven't remembered. Uh, this will help you to remember uh, an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, and on the shoulders of you choose. You are the deciding vote. Uh, very interesting, isn't it? Now, what five things were used to make up the breastplate of judgment? Exodus twenty-eight fifteen. Question number nine. 
Uh, the answer is going to be uh, gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twined linen. Oh, it's getting good now. Now we're coming up with the garments. Now, list below the 12 stones found in the breastplate. Uh, Exodus chapter 28, verses 17 through 20, Ryan. Question number 10. List below the 12 stones found in the breastplate. This is, this is exciting stuff. Uh, so it's uh, sardius, topaz, carbuncle, emerald, sapphire, diamond, ligure, agate, amethyst, beryl, onyx, and jasper. Um, and there's there's a couple different theories about how how this goes, but uh, my understanding is that it's three across and four down, uh, the way that it works out. And so you, if you start from right to left or left to right, um, you know, is another question of of how how they're placed on the ephod itself. But either way, the house of Joseph number eleven would be the middle on the bottom, which would be the onyx stone. And if you notice, the onyx stone is the one where all are, are the stones that go on the shoulders as well. And so I think Mike Cromwell was bringing that out. Yeah, last there's night. actually a, a, a big debate on that, or some different theories on that. Which I birth, like mine though. Which like birth stones represent the tribes? But I want to remind everyone uh, that we have a portion of scripture here in reference to somebody being laid with some stones, and we can start reading, of course, in. Ezekiel 28, 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Think about this being now, we know. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Once again, tabrets and pipes would indicate music, song. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Wow, who is this anointed cherub? But Lucifer, Satan himself, decked out with nine stones, not 12. We would say he's uh, three stones short of a load. <laughs> now, what three stones are missing from this cherub? The ligor, the agate, and the amethyst. Some have said uh, in this particular theory that these three stones represent Gad, Asher, and Naphtali, uh, interesting concept. Once again, I don't have proof of all of this or anything. It's just something to think about. We know that each stone represents a tribe in the breastplate, but it's it's interesting that Satan only had nine stones, uh, and he's a cherub. Remember that. He's an anointed cherub. He was mightier and stronger and much more elevated than I believe Gabriel was, uh, the messenger angel, and Michael, the archangel. So here you have Satan or Lucifer, like I said, um, committing, you know, uh, violating his trust with the Father, with God. And by the way, the anointed cherub was created by God. The cherubs were created by God. And, and why are cherubs so interesting? We, we just watched a video in regard to the Ezekiel temple. And there's, there's a couple patterns that are found inside Ezekiel's temple. It's palm trees and cherubs. Hmm. So, 
supposedly the cherub had a, the, the, the face of a lion and even the face of a man, like two-faced. So the cherubs were, uh, you know, an interesting study in and of itself because we know that uh, there was cherubs that guarded the entrance to the tree of life with flaming swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know that there are cherubs found in the Mosaic uh, tabernacle, uh, the tabernacle of Moses. Uh, we have two cherubs on the mercy seat looking down upon the Ark of the Covenant. We have, of course, cherubs on the, on the veil, on the curtain, dividing uh, the holy place. And last but not least, we have cherubs overhead on the covering that covers the uh, tabernacle. So this is actually something to think about, everybody. Uh, very, very interesting. And, of course, we can get into some more of this later. And so on what part of Aaron's body was he to bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment? Exodus twenty-eight twenty-nine. question number 11. Yep, this is going to be uh, on his heart. It says, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. When he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. You know, someone blessed me. I think it was Pastor Curtis Taylor. He gifted me with this lapel pin that's uh, actually a breastplate uh, that goes on your, your coat jacket. And so it's, it's right over my heart. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And whenever I go out, people are, are really interested in that lapel. And what is that? And what does that they mean? They are, man. It's a great conversation it starter. It's, it's great for people to see that and be able to share that. So we're going to get some, some mysterious things here. Uh, question number 12 in Exodus twenty eight thirty: What two things were to be brought and placed in the breastplate? This is going to be in uh, twenty eight thirty, and this is going to be Urim and Thummim. And Urim means lights, and Thummim means perfections. Once again, this is still part of the garments of the high priest. Uh, and of course, they would be able to reach into this pocket where the Urim and Thummim would be, and they would be able to make decisions. Uh, some have said, even the Jewish sages, uh, they've been saying that these breastplates would light up a certain way and give answers to questions that were asked. Uh, divine guidance. Very interesting. It's still even mysterious to this day. Not a lot of understanding on that, but but something to look into with the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, the color of the robe of the ephod was blue, mm-hmm. and on the hem of the blue robe, it, it consisted of two different items, which were a golden bell and a pomegranate. That's found in Exodus 28, 34. A golden bell and a pomegranate. Now, was this a golden bell and a pomegranate, or was this a row of golden bells and a row of pomegranates? I believe it was a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate. Got it. Like, like that, mixed in. And okay, so, like back and forth. Got now, it. this is kind of cool, you know, since Aaron is the high priest, he's considered the boss, you know. And uh, were the people going to be able to hear Aaron when he ministered in the holy place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to be able to hear him coming. Wouldn't you like to have that for the person that you work for, your boss, that every time you knew he was coming, you'd hear bells and you'd start <laughs> behaving yourself or working a little harder, you know? So I think that was a benefit that God was giving the other priests when Aaron would come around. He would kind of give away his. His location. So just something to think about, everybody. I think it's cool. You know, so the boss can't really be quiet. You know, he's, you know, he's ringing the bells. You know, he's walking and you can hear it. You can hear, you can hear it. Uh, and of course, this is going to be interesting. What was written on the gold plate placed on the forehead of Aaron? Exodus 28, 36. Question number 16. What was written on the gold plate placed on the forehead of Aaron? And it's, uh, it's yet yeah, verse 36 says, And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the holiness Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Right across his forehead. Holiness to the Lord. Notice the outfits. Notice the garments. Notice the uniform. Yeah. 
You know, a lot of times people come to church and they don't have the right uniform on. Oh, and there's even the parable that Jesus tells about the man showing up to the wedding without the right clothes on. So proper clothing is important. I think we just, with modesty, we we should be, uh, you know, wearing dress pants and a dress shirt. You know, I know people want to wear flip-flops and shorts. And I I don't think that's how we should come into the presence of God. But, you know, some of these people got to find out on their own. So as we continue with the, the conclusion of the dress code, what four things were made for Aaron's sons to wear? Question number 17 in the Torah questionnaire, uh, Exodus chapter 28, verses 40 through 42. All right, it's going to be four things, uh, coats, girdles, bonnets, and breeches, or as we say here in Central Florida, breeches. That's right, coats, girdles, bonnets, and breeches. Notice it's going to be of linen, linen, cotton. It's going to allow it to breathe. You know, anything you have that's cotton needs to be iron. So you can just imagine that. Uh, cotton wrinkles easy, but it, but it allows your, your body to breathe. And so now... Well, and it wasn't mixed with anything else, right? That's so right. This is yeah, one, it's, it's one pure linen. Yeah, pure linen. Yeah. So we have, of course, the uh, service of the menorah. We get into the uh, the dress code and the uh, priest clothing, and now we're going to get into the dedication of the Levites in commemoration for working in the tabernacle. Uh, and we have, of course, the dedication of Aaron and his sons, Exodus twenty nine one. This is a great event. Uh, and they were going to, of course, be brought to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, Aaron and his sons, and they were going to be washed with water, Exodus 29.4. And then uh, there was going to be some anointing oil uh, poured upon Aaron's head. Anointing oil on Aaron's head. This is the set him apart, okay? So now you're washed with water, you're sanctified. Now you're being sanctified, you're being sealed or anointed now. So you're being cleaned up, and then you're being anointed. I love that. And what kind of offering was the bullock for Aaron and his sons? This was a sin offering. Exodus 29, 14. So they had to have sin offering. Right. See, they weren't perfect like our high priest Yeshua. Uh, they had to have a sin offering, and it was a bullock. Uh, that was the offering. And so what kind of offering was the first ram for Aaron and his sons? A, a burnt offering. Exodus 29. A burnt offering is what? Totally, totally consumed. Totally consumed. Totally consumed. It's totally consumed. Which we were talking about that yesterday, just, I mean, the sheer logistics of this and having to completely consume an offering and burn it all the way till it's, you know, what? I mean, at what point is it totally consumed? Yeah, it's totally consumed, know? and then... That's a lot. I mean, then think about all of the ones that people bring, and, you know, when feast days come, and just the amount of traffic going through there, and the amount of burnt offerings, it's, it's a lot. It's amazing. Yeah. So, question number 23 in Exodus 29, verses 20 and 21. List all the places where the blood of the second ram was to be applied. All right, so the first place was going to be on the right ear of Aaron, and then the second place was the right ear of Aaron's son, and then the thumb of their right hand. And then uh, the fourth place is going to be the great toe of their right foot, and the fifth place is going to be upon the altar round about. That's where the blood of the second ram was to be applied. Imagine that. So once again, your ear allows you to hear. May you hear from, from Yahweh. May you hear from Hashem, right? Our Heavenly Father, may you hear. And then, of course, your thumb of your right hand. What are you grabbing? What are you doing with your hands? Uh, what kind of action are you uh, emitting from your life? And then, of course, uh, it's uh, applied to the great toe of their right foot. Where are you walking? Where are you going? Are you hearing from God? Are you walking with God? A uh, good point to be made there. I know that when I was, um, you know, actually... I want to say, what do you call it, uh, in April of uh, 2002, I was ordained. 
and they that's how they did the anointing oil on my uh on my wife and I. So I thought that was kind of kind of cool. Uh question number 24, what kind of offering was the second ram? So the second ram was considered a consecration offering. Right. It's called a uh, a fulfilling a dedicatory sacrifice. So this second ram is for consecration just for this event. Very special offering. Notice that. Cuz we have the five offerings of the burnt offering, the meal or meat offering, the peace offering, then we have a sin offering and a trespass offering. So this is a consecration offering. The second ram, uh, of course, was offered up. And uh, we know that what was used as a wave offering before the Lord, Exodus 29, 23, and 24, there's a wave offering before the Lord. What did it consist of? It's going to be a loaf of bread, uh, one cake of oiled bread, one wafer out of the basket of the unleavened bread. Very good. So the wave offering is, of course, uh, one loaf of bread, uh, once again, unleavened. No leaven in this wave offering. And so what was also used as a wave offering in Exodus 29, 26, and 27, and question number 26 in the Torah questionnaire. And this is going to be the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration. So there's the wave offering right there. And, of course, question number 27, how many days were needed to consecrate Aaron and his sons? Uh, this is going to be in Exodus chapter 9, verse 35, and it says here, And thus shalt thou do unto Aaron and to his sons, according to all things which I have commanded thee, seven days shalt thou consecrate them. So the answer here is seven days. Okay, and um, was a bullock to be offered every day as a sin offering for atonement? Exodus twenty nine thirty six. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Says every that, day. Every so, day. And how long was this going to be for? For seven days. For seven days, a bullock. And that's the sin offering for atonement. Yeah, I mean, they're not messing around. And um, so now we're going to switch gears a little bit from servicing the menorah to the dress code to the garments of the priest and the outfit of the high priest. We're going to get into now uh, question number 29. Whatever touches the altar shall be what? Holy. So set apart. So anything touching the altar is holy. Now, does the altar make it holy or does it have to be holy in order to touch the altar? Whatever touches the altar shall be, what, holy. Okay. I think it's holy. Now, uh, interesting, in, in, in regard to the touching of the altar or grabbing of the horns of the altar, just want to share with, with you this once again. Uh, Solomon was chose to be the king to succeed his father, King David. But there was another son, Adonijah, and he had plans to be the king. So he started making his plans a little ahead of time. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but he really thought he was going to get it, and he started preparing and everything. It's kind of like when Hillary Clinton thought that she had won, that she was going to win the election and made all these oh. arrangements. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but how many of you know that she didn't win? Uh, and there was a lot of disappointment. Awkward. But in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 50 through 53, Adonijah goes, and he knows he's being found out. And he's going to grab the horns of the altar, and, and he knows that, hey, you know, listen, I thought I would be king. I started to prepare. Solomon let him go, okay? Solomon let him go. He says, I'm going to give this guy a chance. But Adonijah blew it. Yeah, he did. And you can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 22 through 25. Once again, once again, uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 22 through 25, uh, he's actually taken from the altar and slain uh, for his misdeeds against Solomon, uh, a coup, actually treason. Uh, also, a little reminder, Joab was the nephew of King David, and when King David died, he told his son Solomon, he told Bathsheba, listen, don't let Joab live. 
Okay, he's shed innocent blood, he's murdered, and he must uh, receive capital punishment. So in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5, and then verses 28 through 34, you can also read about what happened to Joab. They took him from the altar, and they killed him, and he was guilty. So these are some incredible stories in regard to uh, the Torah uh, principles, uh, whether it's civil or, 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 or anything like that. But, but the civil laws are, are, are in effect, and especially when it comes to the tabernacle. Now, how many lambs were to be offered up each day and at what time of day? Question number 30, Exodus 29, 38, and 39. Yep, so this is going to be two every day, one in the morning and one in the evening. Two, one in the morning and one in the evening. Two lambs every day. Every day. And notice all of this taking place, and then we go right into question number 31. What did God want to do for the children of Israel? He, he, of all of this, uh, the purpose of all of this was so that he could dwell among them. So he needed to set apart place, a tabernacle, that he could dwell among his people Israel. Exodus 29, 45. It says, Once I'm, again, when you see John, he goes up into the, uh, in the book of Revelation, he goes up into heaven, he gets a peak of heaven, and he gets to document some things, and some things he doesn't get to document or foretell. But um, once again, God wants to dwell among them. That's right. That's right. And so, um, you know, switching gears now, we're moving on uh, back into some furniture. And so in the last tour portion uh, was a description of all of uh, the furniture except one piece uh, of furniture that is uh, near and dear to our hearts. And so you can find uh, the, the beginning of this in chapter 30, uh, verse 1. And it says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of shittim wood, thou shalt make it. And so this is the altar of incense. And uh, the altar of incense is also... Uh, referenced in Revelation. Oh, okay, we're not going to get to that yet. Sorry. All right. So uh, so that's um, question number 32. We're moving on uh, to question 33. What was it made of and what was it overlaid with? And so this is going to be in verse 13 uh, of chapter 30, and it says, uh, This they shall give everyone that passes among them that are numbered in the shekel after them. Uh, so the answer here is going to be sheatim wood and pure gold. Sheetim wood and pure gold. I apologize. That was verse 3. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. What's that reference again? Is it 30? It's chapter 30, verse 3. But we got um, 13 on the Torah I, question. Yeah, there. on my paper here I had uh, verse 13. And I was like, man, that's outside of the Torah portion. The Torah portion ends at verse 10. So... Good point. We're going to have a fix that now. Once again, if you have the Torah questionnaire, we'll fix that. But that's a PowerPoint. So, uh, did it have stays for carrying the uh, altar of incense? Absolutely, just like everything else, man. Exodus thirty verse four. Because think about it, these things had to move around, and so you know they didn't want these things toppling over. They wanted to have a, a set way of moving these things right, around. Right, right. And of course, uh, where was it located in the tabernacle? Exodus thirty verse six. One of my favorite parts before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony. So right in front of the ark, right in front of the throne of God, uh, the incense are going right up to him. Question number thirty six: At what time? At what two times was Aaron to burn incense? In the morning and in the evening. Exodus thirty verses seven and eight. In the morning and the evening, two times Aaron to burn incense. Uh, question number 37, was the incense to burn perpetually in the tabernacle? Uh, yeah. Exodus 30, verse 8, yes, Definitely. yes. You know, the uh, altar of incense, is, it, it tells us it's about prayers, and I just want to reiterate this in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen: pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Uh, question number 38, 
what were the four forbidden things to place on the altar of incense? Uh, so number one was a strange offering. Uh, number two was a burnt sacrifice. Three was a meat offering. And four, a drink offering. So this was specifically uh, just for the incense, but not right. just any incense. You couldn't put the, strange incense on correct. there. Can't do a burnt sacrifice. Can't do a meat offering. Can't do a drink offering. And of course, question number 39, what was to be put upon the horns of the altar of incense once a year? Uh, the blood of the sin offering of atonement. The blood of the sin offering of atonement, Exodus 30, verse 10, the very last verse. I want to close with the altar of incense once again. Uh, this is incredible, everybody. If you have not studied the tabernacle of Moses and the furniture, you have to study it. I want to take you to Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Once again, before the throne. So what's the throne but the Ark of the Covenant? Mm -hmm. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, and lightnings, and an earthquake. You know, I want to share something with you in closing here about this altar of incense. The prayers of the saints. So once you come to the menorah and you have the Holy Spirit, you have a right spirit. We can all come to the table of showbread. And every week that showbread is, is changed out on Shabbat. We honor the Shabbat and as the tribes, we come together at this table. We love one another. We have a right spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. Well, God takes us as the tribes, as the commonwealth of Israel, and he takes us to the altar of incense. And he says, begin to pray these prayers. Pray these things. Just like the Our Fathers, a model prayer. And so here we are. We're praying for the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel. That is our prayer. We're not praying to be raptured out of here. We're not praying for personal things, like I need a new refrigerator, as a matter of fact. No, we're praying the things that God wants. Just like Yeshua said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So I want you to think about that, that once we come together at the altar of incense and we say these prayers, here's an angel. He fills it with fire of the altar and casts it into the earth. And there's our prayers coming to pass. Amen. 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 Awesome, guys. So... I want to encourage you guys that uh, when you read Torah portions like Tetzaveh, remember that this dedication of the high priest, that we have a high priest, Yeshua, that he is uh, making an atonement for us now, that he is our sacrifice, that he is our king, all rolled into one. And so we have a, a, a perfect God and a perfect Mashiach, and, uh, and we worship him, we honor him. Uh, because of, of his greatness. And so remember, the Torah is pointing to Yeshua, and the Torah is about Yeshua, and Yeshua is the Torah. And so, uh, as always, you guys can reach out to us uh, by going to our website at topraise.net. You can email me if you have any comments or questions at ryan at topraise.net. Uh, and then uh, you can also call the office here at 813-654-2222. God bless you guys. Have a great week.